Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to visit iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and even share the show. Helps me out. Leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or Domino's Pizza or how Papa John's is evil. Thanks for checking out Out of the Blank Podcast. You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Mr. Keith Carter. Hello. How are you, man? Are you a coach like Coach Carter? I can be. I've coached a few things before. Can you coach me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Keith. I guess uh, probably most recently uh, what I do is I have a podcast. That's the reason I think you invited me on the show is because you saw my podcast. Um, the Unemployed Bartender Podcast with Keith Carter. Um, started up about four weeks ago, so getting it ramped up and rolling, but having a really good time doing it. What exactly is the podcast about? So, like, are you a bartender or are you interviewing bartenders? So, yeah, I, I've been bartending, I guess, for about 13 years now. Uh, in New York City, I've been here about two and a half years. Uh, head bartender, beverage, uh, beverage director, I've worked in ambassador fields, uh, all kinds of different things in the bartending world. Uh, and when COVID-19 uh, hit, obviously, a lot of people went unemployed, but people that are still unemployed are a lot of bartenders, uh, including me. Uh, so I decided to do something to kind of still get to talk to people, because that's my favorite part of bar- bartending, is the conversations that I get to have with my regulars uh, every day, talking about all kinds of crazy shit. So, oh. Can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah, mine's an, mine's an explicit plot. I'm surprised you did it before I did. Usually I break that barrier in like the first minute. But that's interesting because I always bring up the fact like I've had a few bartenders on here and it's funny talking to them because I always ask this question, which I want to ask you is what is like the most interesting thing you've ever heard from a guest? Because I mean, like you said, it's all about the stories too. Like, I mean, you're practically somebody's therapist. I mean, they get half into a bottle next thing you know, they're telling you about like they buried their third cousin behind a house after a microwave fight over at the keto. It's like, Oh my God. It's like, you're divulging so much information. Uh, yeah. I've God, the craziest thing I've ever heard from somebody that'd be, I've heard so many things from so many people. I can tell you about one of the craziest situations that ever happened. I was at a, a place called Vintage 61 down in uh, South, Streetport, South Street Seaport in Financial District in Manhattan. And uh, these two girls kind of wandered in off the street, uh, sat down and were clearly hammered. So I didn't serve them anything. They ordered a drink and I gave them some water. Uh, they started talking for a little bit and then about 10 seconds into them showing up at the place, uh, the girl reaches over, one of the girls reaches over, slaps the water I was about to hand her out of my hand and just starts yelling and screaming at me about what I don't know. Uh, tries to <laughs> attack me, breaks my phone. Uh, then she gets pulled off and then the two girls, apparently are sisters, they start fighting each other in, on the street in front of the bar, bare knuckle brawl, like literally like slamming each other into the concrete. (laughs) 
it was the most insane thing ever. They were they were there for like ten seconds, and then they just like, hey, let's cause a shit ton of trouble. That's literally like the first thing. Like I worked at a casino for a brief time, and we had to do our training. I was a security guard there, and we had to do like multiple trainings for our shifts, different hours. I worked like the morning morning shift, so it was like I never had to worry about anybody getting drunk at four o'clock in the morning unless you really had a problem. But like. I mean, technically, if you're getting drunk at four o'clock in the morning, you could still be there from that night if the bar didn't shut down. Yeah, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. If if anyone's listened to my podcast, they'd hear me say that many, many times. But uh, all of uh, we, you're allowed to have bars open until five a.m. if you have the right license. So most of my life was spent going out until five a.m. Well, the, the the training we had to do for it, which was like you're supposed to monitor guests. And if you see a guest that kind of is like over the intoxicated, it's about cutting them off and things like that. And even though I'm not the bartender, we still had to go through that training to know if somebody was going to be a problem. Um, obviously, you're in a public casino and everything. So I'm doing the training and it's like, make sure nobody's underage. And it's like, I get that because I'm pretty good at telling if somebody's, you know, young or old or pretty good at, you know, guessing. And um, you start looking at all these situations where they start kind of showing you in the videos about, you know, be careful if someone's doing this, be careful what type of alcohol they're drinking, be able to know that I'm like, as a bartender, it really comes down to a science. Not only are you entertaining um, the person that you're serving, but at the same time, you got to make sure you're not getting somebody so hammered to where a fight can, because I mean, when it comes down to alcohol, it happens so fucking quick. And man, I think the craziest thing I really ever saw i guess was like on my first week like i think it was like the last day of the week not sunday but like the last day of the week i worked so it was like i worked this would have been my seventh day two guys won like fifty thousand dollars at like four o'clock in the morning and i was like holy like this is awesome like this is the first time i really ever saw somebody win like a giant sum of money and the guy's yeah. like drunk and i'm like what are you gonna do he's like oh man i'm gonna go get a steak i'm like dude don't get a steak get a McGriddle because McDonald's was still open. And the guy was like, not Denny's. I was like, no, man, get a McGriddle. And he goes, I'll bring you back one. I'm like, how are you going to get there? He's like, I'm going to drive. I'm like, maybe you should Uber. He goes, I'm not spending my money on an Uber. I'm like, you just won a shit ton of money. Like go yeah. take an Uber. I mean, a guy that's going to buy a McGriddle uh, after winning $50,000 is probably the same guy that's not going to take an Uber to get there. <laughs> He's living the Bill Gates lifestyle, which is like, don't spend anything above $5, even though you have billions. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked for Bill. What do you consider, I guess, would be a tip or a trick that you like to do to get money out of like a tip or something? To get money out of a tip, I just try to be, you know, as interesting, uh, as uh, accessible and as informational as possible to all my guests. Uh, I feel like if you give them that nice, well-rounded experience, then they're going to tip you. Uh, they're going to tip you a lot. Do you try and like, you know, ask them about a lot of the personal stuff going on? Cause I feel like a lot of the time it starts off. People don't want to divulge into the personal, don't want to talk about like their day. And then once they get kind of into the bottle, they're like, okay, I'm here to, you know, I want someone to talk to. Well, my goal for every single customer that walks in the door is to try to create a regular, someone that wants to come back to my bar because I'm there to see me because of the conversations and experiences that they had the last time they were there. And then that's ultimately how you, that, I mean, that's how a bartender really makes money. Someone that, someone that's does, that does well and, and is successful as a bartender has perfected the art of creating regulars. Have you um, ever, I guess, 
created a drink where you really messed up? Because I feel like if you're trying to create like a, because I mean, these drink combinations, I would say get insane. I mean, if you look at like some of them, it's like, it's basically like a Starbucks order. Like this isn't even an alcoholic beverage. This is a freaking milkshake. Like we're Chick-fil-A and we're serving up something like you're doing a mudslide where it's like half a thing of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, chocolate chips, all this. You're like, is that even alcohol? I don't know. Well, I think uh, just in terms of uh, all these fun and different cocktails that are out right now, it's about, you know, uh, as bartenders, we love to create things. It's uh, the other part of the job when you're not talking to people is creating a delicious beverage for someone to imbibe. And uh, as you get to know and you have more regulars and more people that have a lot of different interests, you start creating all these different things uh, that might seem over the top or elaborate. But, uh, you know, uh, I have customers that have, uh, back in the day, I made a drink that was a uh, a pumpkin pie martini, and it is it tastes just like a pumpkin pie. It's creamy and rich. It's uh, uh, you know I make a pumpkin pie syrup, uh, all this that, thing topped with does that come out with whipped cream, and it it delicious. does that come out in September before October hits? Because by the time October hits, you don't want anything to do with pumpkin. Yeah, it's pump. Yeah, the pumpkin spice comes out the same time as the PSL. <laughs> well, um, like even when uh like you have to have a pretty good patience too. So even when you're dealing with customers too, like when they get rowdy, like how do you try and diffuse the situation? Have you had to diffuse anything pretty big besides the girl um that incident? Yeah, I mean if you have control of your bar, like a good bartender controls the room that they're in. Um and you can see that before it happens. Uh, a good bartender is not gonna let a fight I mean, things happen sometimes and you can't get control of your whole space. But uh, for the most part, if you're monitoring your guests and you know their limits and you understand the room and who you're dealing with, then you can prevent things like that from ever happening. I feel like I could handle a small crowd of like a few people like because I mean, I do uh, shakes at my work, which is like uh, I work at a gym. So we do like, you know, people order like a protein shake off the menu or something. I could do like when it's one person waiting in line. But then once it's like 15 people all wanting different shakes and stuff, we have one blender. So you have to wash that real quick, make sure it's clean. And you have to go and reach for all the different supplements to throw in this crazy combination. Everybody wants a fucking peanut butter slammer. And I'm like, I, I my hands smell like peanut butter all day. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm falling asleep with my hand near my face and I'm sniffing in peanut butter. And after like the first couple of days, like I get it. It's nice. Uh, but then, you know, smell like peanut butter all day. People think like, what do you, do you have it stuck on the back of your neck or something? But uh, when we go into the overwhelming part about being a bartender, like if you're one guy and there's like 50 million people up there all yelling at you, shouting at you orders and different things, like how do you sift through that? It, like to me, it's like Superman where he's a kid and he's getting all of his powers and he's like, his mom's like, swim through the sea, focus on one thing, focus on one thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I, uh, I'm glad you brought up the, like, the experience you've had in dealing with uh, a lot of customers. I wish everyone had some sort of customer service experience where they could buying for your attention at the exact same time, all wanting the same thing. And there's only one of you and one, you know, whatever you only have, you only have two. I got two arms and a dick. I don't have nine arms. I can't help you. Yeah. And I can't, I can only do, I can only do what I do, but yeah, if it's all about, you know, having a, like I said, knowing your bar, having an understanding of the situation, uh, you know, the more regulars you create, the more time you buy with them. So, your regulars understand they're there every day. They know what you're going through. They're if a good regular is going to be like, get the new person, you know, I'm good. I can wait. So you got to balance that with making sure that they're happy. 
Um, but you also just, you know, you've got to be able to see as people walk up, okay, that person walked up at the side of your eye. So I need to get to them in the next 10 seconds and at least touch the table, say, Hey, what's up? Uh, give me just two seconds. I'll be right back. Do that with multiple people and then just make sure you're constantly working around. And, uh, you know, if, if you've got those kind of, uh, I don't know, abilities to, you know, organize and multitask, then, you know, I think bartending is the job for you. But have you, know, you tried you like a lot of bartenders out there to kind of keep up with, you know, COVID shutting everything down? I mean, do you see this? Do you see it picking up at all? Do you think that it's going to end up opening up to where we can go back to the bar scenario? I mean, I saw so many bars in my hometown. We're a beach town. So this is like prime spot for drinking tourist attraction. I mean, we're right at the beach and, uh, all these bars, they tried their best to do like an inflatable tube. You had to like kind of wear around you, which kept literally six feet apart from each other. But then eventually they were like, we just have to shut down because um, it ended up turning into people snitching or calling into the cops saying, hey, these people aren't following regulations. And it's like you're getting a place packed. I mean, it's going to be hard, especially when some of these buildings, I mean, they're all jam packed right beside each other. They're not open like a New York street or, you know, a popular city. This is like a small beach town of ocean city, Maryland. So everything is fit on one little Island. So the buildings are right slam up beside each other. So like most of the spot, like six feet is not, is, is really hard to get that distance. Yeah, I mean, now you're just in uh, in the conversation of should places even be allowed to to be open if, you know, because of these complications that you're talking about. Yeah, you can't get six feet apart. No, it, it doesn't really make sense to have people standing and sitting at bars trying to do things. And, th and this is a reason why many of us are unemployed right now, because those things don't make sense in most places right now. It's just not safe. I'm fighting for it, though, because I think, like, it's needed, too. Because, I mean, you know, for anybody that likes storytelling, anybody that likes getting into a conversation with people like social butterflies, they really love the bartending thing. And my cousin was a bartender, so it was hard to see him. I mean, he was making most of his money, and then he immediately went to being broke living off unemployment and stuff. And he's like, it sucks. And a lot of times people want to go there because they want someone to talk to. I see it when I'm at the front desk or something. And actually I know someone comes up and they start explaining me like their whole life story. And I'm like, bro, I just was trying to give you your change. And you realize it's because we're not talking. We're not having that conversation. Yeah. The first, uh, I think the first two or three times I went out after that initial, cause you know, here in New York, we got, we got hit bad. So we were on super lockdown. So about it was about two months until I was really like out and like talking to anybody at all. The first time I talked, I, I overshared so much of my life with the first two or three people I saw. Cause I was like, Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I, I forgot how to talk to people and I hadn't had anyone to tell anything to. So, uh, sorry, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it was hard for people. It's hard for people, uh, when you lose that ability to communicate with people daily to remember how to talk and stuff. Yeah, it's like a muscle. Like people talk about like lifting weights or something or, you know, stretching out your brain. That's literally what conversation is. If you don't have it every day, if you isolate yourself so hard, sometimes you go up and you're like, hi, uh, uh, hello, what's your name? Okay, have a nice day. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. You just missed like the part of the conversation where you tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, a, it's the reason I started my podcast is I needed to be able to talk to people again. I needed some back and forth and some other other thoughts and opinions instead of the, the ones bouncing around in my head. So what are you typically, okay, if you're interviewing people, what are you typically asking them question-wise? What is the main focus bartenders? Is it not anybody else? Yeah, so so for my show, I try to have 
uh, I try to make it a balance of uh, kind of focusing on my regulars and my fellow bartenders. So I open with a an interesting guest, typically someone that's been a regular or a, a patron of mine at my bar that's done, you know, really fun, cool things. Uh, I've had a, a couple of musicians on so far, the uh, lead singer of uh, Shinobi Ninja, a really big uh, group out of New York City, uh, was my most recent guest this week. Um, and then at the end of every show, I have a guest bartender on that, uh, I just talk bartending with, he shares a recipe or she shares a recipe with us um, for the users, listeners to to make it home if they'd like. And then we kind of shoot the shit about bar stuff and then we close the show up. But yeah, it's kind of a balance of both. Uh, I, I get a guest and we get a bartender. Okay. Now, if you had to, I guess, suggest a drink for me, if I'm not too much of a drinker, if I, you know, you know, peanut butter screwball whiskey, I don't know if you ever had that, but uh Fireball, is that what you said? Fuck Fireball. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about my uh, bad experience with that one, but I drank a whole one of the giant bottles by myself, and I was sipping it the whole time and sending Snapchats to my buddy, and then by the time I think I sent my third one, I don't remember any of them after that, and he was like, dude, you were sending me the drunkest Snapchats. I was like, what? And I freaking went to the bathroom. Next thing I know, it all hit me at once, and I knocked myself out while taking a piss. So I will remember that, and I'll remember Forbidden Kingdom with Jackie Chan because I was watching that the whole entire time. I was killing that bottle, and it all hit me, dude. I swear to you, I sweated nothing but cinnamon that if somebody makes French toast in my house, I will puke. (laughs) Well, I love cinnamon, but you definitely don't want to have my pumpkin spice uh, martini then because it's got – it's got cinnamon popped all over it, but uh, yeah, for you, if you're uh, so you like sweet drinks, I, you know, I, I want it I to mean, not taste like alcohol. You want it to not taste like alcohol. So what, what kind of flavors do you like? What are your favorite kinds of flavors? Anything but cinnamon. I like tropical stuff. I like a dessert, nice tasting. I mean, I got a mudslide one time where I was like, this is just like you tossed a bag of chocolate chips in here and let me go ham on it. All right, I'd probably make you, probably make you a fr- like a a fresh, real pina colada using uh, cream of coconut, like like real actual coconut cream, real pineapples, fresh pineapples. Um, I think that I think that'd be something you'd probably really enjoy. I mean, that's whenever I made a Slurpee, it was always the pina colada mixed with like a little bit of coke in there. See, there you go. Plus that one song, "Do You Like Pina Coladas?" Uh, yeah, and getting caught in the rain <laughs> now when it comes to um like creation ideas do you ever just go experimental on it like i look at like you know we have a list of you see of shakes i can make at my gym but i'm just sitting there like man if i did this together this together i got this and like next thing you know they started serving something with like i had a woman come up to me who's in her 70s and she asked for a raging bull now what a raging bull is, and I think the main reason why I like creating them is because the names, you can just toss whatever works and it sounds like a Sharknado with like, hey, what's two things that we can make a movie on? Sharks. And someone says tornadoes. You're like, all right, throw it together, Sharknado. Um, but the raging bull is a can of Red Bull, orange pineapple juice, scoop of protein powder, and some amino acids. And I'm like, this is death on your stomach. And that's from talking from someone that kills six 20-ounce Red Bulls a day, like for breakfast. And I gave it to this 70-year-old woman, and she started deadlifting. And I was like, all right, well, apparently I don't know anything about the way the world works. 
yeah, sounds like you need to get on a raging bull then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I've done the cocktail menus for multiple, uh, multiple different bars, uh, over the last multiple years, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it, part of my job responsibility is creating drink and what's going on the menu and figuring out which, uh, ingredients are going to go best together and create a nice, well-balanced drink and a nice, well-balanced menu. Okay. Well, you got to give me a drink idea here. Come on now. Um, I want a new drink. Let's see. I'll, I'll tell you about the drink I made um, a couple years ago at the New York Cocktail Expo. It's a a, a little competition, I suppose, uh, where bartenders from across the city get together and, and submit their best cocktail idea um, and are judged upon it. But for that one, I did a, uh, I had my sponsor for the, for the event was uh, Wheeler's Gin out of New Mexico, uh, a wonderful uh, a local desert gin. All of the botanicals for the gin are within five miles, five to 10 miles or something like that of the distillery. So uh, it's just a really delicious gin. Um, since the gin was from New Mexico, uh, I also use hatch green chilies, which are the most prominent food staple item from New Mexico. If you're ever there, most everything is going to have green chilies in it. So I wanted to kind of do something to tie that together. Uh, roasted the green chilies and created a syrup out of it and uh, a simple syrup. So it's kind of a sweet and spicy. That, the gin, a little bit of pineapple juice, some fresh basil. Shake that up together. You got the New Mexico gin. I like that, dude. That makes me think, are you using the ingredients based on where they're from? I like trying to pair them together with things that are local to that area. Like well, if- for that particular drink I did, just because uh, I wanted to name it the New Mexican by yeah. having multiple things from New Mexico, it helped make that possible. And it being a gin, obviously uh, informed the name. But uh, yeah, I don't do that always. That just seemed like the most original idea for that particular concept. But yeah, I tried to... Like I said, it's all about creating a, a balance on the menu for people. You know, you want to have something for people that want just a nice light drink before they, uh, you know, before they have dinner and aperitif. Or you might want someone that likes to, you know, people that like whiskey cocktails. You want to have a couple different options. There's one, one, ones like Negronis and Boulevardiers. Those are common, common things you're going to see on menus now. Um, but you want to have a rum drink and a tequila drink, and you know, a nice balanced menu is going to, you know, attract the most customers and Give everybody something. Yeah, bartending is kind of like a trading job, like um, HVAC or something, because you constantly have to learn to keep up with all the new things that are going on from daiquiris, whiskeys, all these other types of recipes that come out. You have to kind of stay on top of your game, and it must get hard to memorize it all. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's the classics that that are never going to change that have been around forever and 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 will always be around. Um, I think in this. It, it it's a little easier in this day and age in the advent of like mixology um, and people really taking, instead of kind of relying on other people's recipes to do things, uh, what you see now is people taking ownership of, of their, their own ideas and creating new and exciting things. And every, and this, this is what makes it important. This is what was so wonderful about all of the different cocktail bars and restaurants and bars here in New York city is that, uh, you had a different experience in different places that you went. You weren't, you know, it wasn't going to be the same drink in every place because that's the new hot drink. It's like, no, this place has this drink because this bartender created it. And that's why I go there. Plus like the atmosphere too. Like for me, I like, 
I'm going to go to a bar. I want like a classic scenario with like a pool table that's lined up in it. You know, nothing too fancy. You go to a lot of places nowadays, they're trying their best to be like a tip top, like five star, like hotel restaurant type thing. It's like you walk in, there's freaking glass everywhere. It's like the chairs made of glass. I'm like, I don't want glass in my ass. Like I always loved, um, there's a bar called Fishtails. Uh, it's one of the ones with the tubes I was talking about. But what they do is they confiscate fake IDs and they, they laminate them to the bar stools. And one night when I was there, my brother was uh, bouncing and you just hear this dad who gets up and he's like, hold on a second. That's my fucking daughter. And then he looks and he was sitting on his daughter's fake ID the whole entire time. And he's like trying to grab the stool. And they're like, no, 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 put that down. That's ours. That's her fault. That's, you can't do that. You can't take that with you. He was so upset. But I'm like, it's a place like that. Like, it's right next to the marina. So you're looking at boats. But at the same time, there's picnic tables. There's all these types of things where it's really just a hangout. Not like I have to wear a $20, uh, what, not $20, $20,000 tux. I can wear like $20 board shorts. You can not You can wear a $20 tux to the place you're talking about. I'm going to just rip those. <laughs> but uh, that, that's actually uh, on episode three of the Unemployed Bartender podcast. You can hear me and uh, uh, buddy Ty Miller discuss this very thing uh, where, uh, yeah, cocktail bars have their place. But, you know, dive bars are where it's at for me. That's that's where you're going to find me sitting at a bar, drinking a local IPA and having a shot of JMO. Uh, the, they're uh, necessary and it's a, it's a safe haven where you can go and you you're right you can always order the same thing i can walk in any bar and get a shot of jmo and and they're going to know what i'm talking about they're going to have it ready and available and it's going to be delicious what really caught my attention to your podcast was the concept of it because you could have went in a completely different direction when it comes to interviewing local brewers um yeah. My buddy, uh, Young Cheddar is his name, his artist's name, but his name's Tyler. Um, he does this thing where he's trying to start this podcast where he interviews craft brewers. And I know so many people that interview craft brewers to get the idea out there because, I mean, it is intimidating when it comes to the industry of alcohol. I mean, obviously, you're going to see all the main corporate Corona, Natural Light, all these other types of giant things that kind of seem to be everywhere. But it's like, the, the local guys have the stories and you know you could even turn yours into a youtube channel like tipsy bartender that shows you how to oh, drink, yeah. craft drinks at home yeah youtube channel is coming very soon uh, with a lot of content that's gonna be really exciting um it'll all be out by episode five but yeah we definitely have some really really big ideas and plans that are going to happen with the unemployed bartender um including what you're referring to talking to breweries distilleries um i've got a, a segment called uh farm to tumbler where i uh talk to local from farm from the farm to the local distillery to the bar to the restaurant um where we kind of follow that uh wheat barley fruit whatever wherever it's coming from all the way to your glass so that's some, something exciting coming up so uh but yeah you're right there's tons of great stories uh, out there at the local level where people are pouring their heart and dreams into the glass. I'll have to literally um, hook you up with my buddy. His name is Joan. Um, it's a really, really long, but he's from Portugal. Uh, he's got a really long, sophisticated name, but shout out to him. But he's a bartender out there. And I started talking to him when COVID was like just in another country, wasn't even in the States yet. Like it was kind of just being talked about, whispered, I would say. And he's talking about how everything's been shutting down and all these things. And 
he was talking about a lot of these, you know, places and the stories of bartenders and all these things and about experiencing the people, the culture there. I mean, they can drink at the age of like 15 there. So it's a completely different scenario to hear. He's like, yeah, he goes, I don't serve anybody unless they're above the age of 15. I'm like, hold on, 15. What do you mean 15? It's 21 in the States. And it's, it was a completely different shift. It, he'd be a great guest for you. And then, um, I mean, I got yeah, send him my way. I got him all my way. I got Hey, I got a few people I'll hook you up with, but when it comes yeah. up to, um, the idea of the podcast. Now, when it comes to asking people these questions and stuff, what is the worst drunk you've ever had? Like, what's the worst drunk experience? Like, come on, I just, I not, I just told you I knocked myself out with taking a piss. You got to have one for, of those in there. For me, my worst drunk experience. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember any of my worst drunk experiences. I can tell you, I've, I've definitely experienced them far too often though. <laughs> Have you ever had one that you remember where it's like it might steer you away from something? Like I can't have French toast because of one experience. Uh, no, no, I don't have any uh, like olfactory uh, turnoffs from alcohol, but uh, I definitely, you know, won't, I don't know, step two steps off a step walking out of a bodega uh, so, that, so that I fall and smash my knee into the ground. But, uh, you know, I'll try not to do that again. Have you ever come across like a ball or bar brawl, for instance? Like I saw um, when, we, like I mentioned, fishtails, when my brother was working there, he was bouncing, but he was constantly getting letters in the mail of summonses to court because, I mean, obviously you can sue anybody for anything. Well, he would, they would say was too aggressive. But one time I saw a 45 year old man slap a 22 year old girl in the face and I think because she spit on him or something, even that's not right. But at the same time, you don't slap somebody like that. But he was drunk, stumbling across the street. And I just see my brother charge across the parking lot and he jumps. And he knows Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but he jumps on the guy's back because the dude's a big oaf. And he goes to put him in a seatbelt. And the dude's so drunk, he collapses as soon as my brother jumps on him. And my brother bangs his head up against concrete. Next thing I know, I see my brother lied up by a trash can. And this, these two people in the street, I'm like, oh my God. So your brother knocked him himself out. Yeah, it was pretty funny. He's like, I whooped my ass. He's like, I whipped that guy's ass and my own. I'm like, no, he passed out. You knocked yourself out. Well, I mean, at least he got a story out of it. That's what life's really about. Exactly. You should be coming at me with stories right now. Where are the stories? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I'm not a, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter, man. I avoid the fights. Never been in one in my life. Uh, mostly because I don't need to. I'm a big guy and I think people just don't want to fight big people usually I mean, you've had to come across something dude i mean i've seen fights i was a bouncer in my first uh like security whatever door guy at this uh sports bar called west end in little rock like 15 years ago um and uh you know i had to throw people out every now and then there was one guy that uh yeah i literally had to bear hug him and drag him out of the building and put him outside so yeah, you know, I guess I've I've stopped some bar right bar fights before, but I've I've definitely seen plenty, especially here in New York. Oh, that's, you know that's what? what I'm, that's what I'm hitting at is I want to uh, give me some of the experience. Uh, you know what? I just I got a story for you. Oh. I got I just I just remembered it happened on my birthday, uh, my first year here in New York two years ago. I uh, I had I had to work that night and uh, had didn't have tons of new friends here, but I had a couple of buddies that came down. And met me at my bar when I was getting off work, and we were going to stop at the, the Iron Horse uh, in Fidei off of Fulton on the way home. So, 
because it was my birthday. I wanted to go out and have a drink or something. I'm there. I'm wearing a backpack because I just got off work. I walk into the bar and uh, order a shot of Jamie. I want to in a IPA. I don't remember which one I had, but uh, and this guy, this really really drunk guy, big guy too, huge guy, like 320, 320, 6'3", 320. Like starts lumbering over to me and he's like, uh, "Take your backpack off." I'm like what? He's like, your backpack, take it off, make yourself at home. Not, I'm good, man. I just got off work. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm good. I'm cool. He's like, no, make, take it off, take it off, make yourself at home. It's no, sit down. And he starts trying to pull my backpack off of me. I'm like, bro, like, stop touching me. And like, it's cool. It's, he he doesn't do anything for a little bit and i'm talking to a friend and the next thing i know he's like on my shoulder his head is like rested on the back of my neck on my shoulder and I, i'm like bro like get off of me and then all of a sudden he just changes and he's like he hates me and he's like i just i just killed his mother or something it flips so fast yeah, and he's like he was like fuck you blah 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 and i'm like all right i'm walking away so i go outside and i'm i'm sitting outside there's Three other cats I meet out there, we're all talking, um, having a good time. This dude walks out and sees me. He's like drunk, like hammered, standing in the middle of the street, turns around, sees me, points at me, and he's like, Oh, there you are. And then he comes over and starts trying to like fight me, but he's like not moving very fast. Uh <laughs> and uh my buddy's there, smaller but really physically stout man. He's a man and he like steps up in front of him because he knows I'm, you know, he's going to protect me. It's my birthday. I'm not trying to fight. And he pushes this guy away. He's like, bro, you need to go. And he keeps pushing him, pushing him, pushes him again. And the guy trips over himself and falls into like sewer trash, like street trash and water that's like collected on the thing. So then the guy comes and tries to charge at me. My buddy form tackles him in the side. Now they're both rolling around in the trash, getting shit all over him the guy's finally like all right it looks like he's gonna be done he's laying on the streets he gets up he takes his shoe off he charges towards me and starts beating me in the head with his shoe why is it always the shoe that's gotta come off meanwhile i at this point he was lying in the middle of the street right before this uh, the cops showed up the cops are right behind us lights on car he's on the street i'm standing there whatever i see the cops he gets up starts charging at me in front of the cops uh, so I'm just standing there. I'm like, I don't want them to think that I'm involved in this fight in any way possible. So I'm just I got my backpack standing. on. I got yeah. my backpack on. I'm standing there and letting this guy beat me in the face with a shoe <laughs> so that the cops realize that I'm not 13? part of this thing. Uh, but he breaks my glasses. I just got three days before. I just bought new glasses. Breaks, breaks my glasses. The cops extort money for my glasses from him to give to me gives me $140. They're like, how much are your glasses cost? I was like, wait, we're 200 bucks. And he's like, give him $200 for his glasses. And I was like, what? He was drunk. He couldn't really know what he was talking about. And he just pulls his wallet out and hands it to the cops. And the cops pulled him out. There was 140 bucks in there. So he gives me the 140 bucks. And he's like, all right, let's go to the ATM, get 60 more dollars. You're going to give it to him. fucking way. <laughs> and then he was like, the guy was like, he couldn't walk at this point. And they're like, I'm like, you know what? It does, it's not, I don't need it. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, I'm not pressing charges. I just want to go home. It's my birthday, so I'm uh, trying to get out of here. And uh, 
So they're, they're about to let the guy go. Then he takes his other shoe off. He's standing between the two cars, the two cops, takes his other shoe off and he throws it at me. Hits me in the face in front of the cops. So the cops arrested him for that. So we went to jail. Uh, I don't know whatever happened to the guy, but uh, he, <laughs> that's so that's my uh, New York bar fight story for you, buddy. I, I don't have like a good, I guess, drinking or bartender story, but I have one where there's a place called Wawa. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yeah, only recently have I heard of Wawa because I saw one on a, re- a very recent traveling trip. Okay, I work at like two o'clock in the morning till like around noon. So like I'm, it's it's a, I basically have the whole rest of the day ahead of me. But when I go into work in the morning, I like to stop at Wawa and you know grab like a drink and then before I open up and everything. And you always come across a drunk person every single time. So state troopers just sit out there. And I remember one night I had my cousin with me. I was gonna drop him off. He wanted to go to the beach and see the sunrise in the morning. So I was like, all right, man. Well, I'm gonna stop at Wawa. Let me get a drink. So he runs in, I run in, I grab my drink. I'm out in the car I'm waiting for him. And usually like I unlock the, usually the door locks. So I have to sit there and unlock it for somebody to, you know, hop in. So I'm like, before he gets there, hits the handle and sits there looking at me like unlock it, jackass. I'm going to unlock the car and keep it unlocked. So he rolls up. Well, before I could even think I'm sitting there waiting for him. I see him paying for his stuff. A freaking door opens up. I look over, it's just some drunk woman getting in my car. She gets like, I mean, not like open up. Oh, sorry. More like open it up, get in the car, sit down, slam the door, start yelling at me to go somewhere like I'm Uber. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But like, I looked over, I was like, oh shit. The car door is unlocked. She is in the car. I was so shocked. I was like, I just woke up. I'm not ready for this. Started yelling at her, get the fuck out of my car. My cousin rolls up, opens up the door. I'm like, get the fuck out of my car. He goes, what did I do? I'm like, there's a chick in my back seat. He goes, where did she come from? I'm like, why are you asking questions? Help. <laughs> and like that happened. I mean, I, I think that's happened once or twice. I remember I've gotten into the wrong car sober before. More like I open up the door. I hop in. I look over. I'm like, you're not my friend. And I get out. But this chick, I mean, she was you're the worst Uber I've ever had. And I'm like, I'm not your fucking Uber. I'm sure that person appreciated you opening the car door just to let them know that they weren't your friend. Yo. Uh, just want to let you know, you're not my friend. <laughs> I went from zero to 60 real quick. I looked there, I was like, oh shit, she had the door. Like she went, I mean, full on. I couldn't even tell her like, hey, wrong car, wrong car. And our friends were yelling at her, come over here. You're going to get us in trouble. And I'm like, Dude, I get it. It's like Bill Burr's joke. You know, drinking and driving, you feel like you're a celebrity. People are grabbing onto your shirt trying to stop you. But so many kids down here do that. I mean, Taco Bell stays open and the cops just sit there waiting for you to come by through the drive through I'm like, it's a fucking big thing down here. Yeah, I mean, that's everywhere. Uh, every, every Taco Bell everywhere has cops sitting outside waiting for the dumb drunk kids to pull in and get their ring the bell or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's the factor of like drinking is a powerful thing. I think, you know, we we both can understand that you being a bartender, me like I've yeah. just been, you know, in a bar influenced town. But like I get what works, like the fact of like people, why, why they go out drinking. It's a fun experience. That's what it's meant to be. And I think like you heard about bars shutting down and then alcohol places stayed open because people needed, you know, alcohol and everything. That's like because it does create a fun time. But a lot of the time you're just like trying to release the stress of the day. And that does help. I mean, it's a definitely a social lubricant. I don't think it should be used hundred percent all the time. If you're really, you know, down in the dumps, but 
dude, bar experiences, like even if I'm not drinking, I'm just at the bar with my cousin, he's drinking and he's talking. I meet and get into some interesting conversations that I've still remember to this day. Yeah. I mean, anything that allows you to kind of just relax and get out of your own head uh, is uh, definitely helpful in building relationships and communication and things like that. So I mean, it definitely works like that. Just like being comfortable with someone that also does. So it's, yeah, I would never tell people that they should definitely drink, but if they want to drink, then I'll definitely make them one. What would you uh, say is probably the biggest benefit you've learned from being a bartender? Like, obviously this wasn't like your choice as a kid. Like how did you even decide to get into the whole bartending thing? I mean, I've always loved making drinks. My mom would show me how to make drinks when I was a kid. Uh, and we'd always have, you know, have one with her on Christmas or Thanksgiving, you know, one, some, one of the big holidays, she'd let us have a little bit of something, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I always like to, uh, I love to entertain and uh, I love to make things and there's nothing that really combines those two, those two things as well as bartending. What would you consider probably the best maybe drink so like your favorite, I would say, like one of the things you would, you know, if somebody's come up, what do you want? What do you like? You'd be like, bam, this one. Uh, local IPA and a shot of Jameson. Local IPA and a shot of Jameson. Why does, why the shot? That was, that's just what I drink. That's what I like. I enjoy it. Um, I like the way it tastes inside my mouth. Uh. <laughs> that's what she said. I had to on that one. I'm, like I said, I'm not a big drinker, but like when that came to like me trying a screwball whiskey for the first time, it's just like, that's something with some flavor to it. Like I know so many people down here just get natty bows cause they just want to get messed up natural lights. I'm like, I want something that actually tastes good. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stuff out there. Like I get it. It gets you drunk and everything. And if you're on a budget that works, but at the same time, I don't want to sit there and literally kill my insides. At least I, I'm fine doing it without noticing. But when it comes to actually tasting something and making my breath tastes like ass water i'm like i'm good yeah i think that just comes down to like just getting and trying and experiencing as many different kinds just like if you were trying to to grow your palate uh culinarily you would get out and try you know more and different and interesting types of food as you do that more you discover that you have uh you know taste buds that you weren't that didn't know that were there and you're going to find things that you actually do enjoy maybe even things that taste specifically like alcohol because that's what you are actually trying to taste so I think that just comes from like the more different things that you try uh, in the spirit world, the, you know, the, the better off, the, the better you'll be able to, to actually determine what that drink is for you. What's your go-to guy, your, your daily driver, as I like to say. Now, do you reach out to anybody on Instagram that are beer makers or craft brewers or maybe even local bartenders to get them on the podcast? Because you're doing it through Zoom, I'm guessing, because or not Zoom, but through a different platform like we were mentioning earlier, only yeah. because of uh, COVID, right? Like, do you try and do them in person? I feel like it's more intimate in person. Yeah, the 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 goal, the long term goal is um, obviously just I've established this because I want to have a platform to invite people to. Um, that's established, but when, when we're able to, I definitely will be having people in studio, um, which I'm very much looking forward to. So I actually came across yours cause I think you were doing a sponsorship on Facebook. Yeah. That, that Don't do this. That, that is the one thing I recommend to people. I did it. And the weird thing is if you don't take your credit card off, 
like and pay for the stuff they'll keep charging if it's left on there i started realizing that they were like oh yeah yeah you can't you, you i mean you gotta just do i i i think it worked for me because i got it got me on your show right now so yeah i well i did it for i did it for two days yeah. And then the thing, like after it was over and I paid for it, next month I had a $35 charge. I was like, for what? They're like, oh, we'll keep charging because anybody, like I think a week or two after those two days, if you get a follow, they chalk it up to theirs. So I'm like, hang on, motherfucker. That, yeah. Those are mine. They're like, you can't prove that. I was like, oh, we're playing this game. I'm going to take a whiskey bottle to your head in a minute. But you can you can set a, a limit to the, that doesn't allow it to charge any more than X, you know in the future if you want to do it through there i do uh i use facebook for specific things um you know like i said we're we're really working to develop a like a multifaceted, um more of a media group type situation with a video a blog uh you're i've got a lot of merch that's going to be coming out soon um a bunch of different educational and uh you know informational videos about bartending um, you know, just a lot of cool stuff that's, but we're using Facebook more as a, I don't know if you're familiar with like tipsy bartender, or angry bartender, um, where they kind of focus, you know, angry bartender focuses on, uh, you know, the different gripes that we all have bartending. Uh, it's for the, for, for our Facebook page, it's going to be, you know, more dealing with the things that we're dealing with as an employed bartenders, um, and kind of going in that vein. So, you know, if that's something you're interested in, follow us on Facebook and, Twitter and Instagram and all the things at, at the UB podcast. Um, you can find us there. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Keith A. Carter. So just want to get all those out there. Shameless plug. Shameless while I'm talking plug. about it. <laughs> well, I mean, are you looking, are you looking at traveling a little bit to maybe try and find different recipes and stuff too? Or do you ever expand your horizons on that aspect? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've traveled, uh, I don't know if you mean out of the country or not, I mean, I've traveled all over the United States. Um, and experienced a multitude of different uh cuisines and have a beer from every state that's yeah that's definitely a plan um that's why i drink like i said i, I just drink a local ipa of wherever i'm at that allows me to to try the flavors and styles of the lo local peoples um and that's what i prefer be immense into the culture i like it yeah you the only way you're gonna find out if you want to you know it's, it's my hack for for uh you know, when we can travel again and back before when we could, if you want to learn how to ingratiate, ingratiate yourself to a city, find, find the bar that you like, find your home bar, find the bartender that you like, and then ask them all the questions. Uh, they're, they're going to be able to tell you all the secrets to the city and they're going to know all the keys and all the, all the uh, people that you're going to need to meet to get where you're trying to go. Exactly. The best spots to eat. You know, yep. and hopefully they don't play any drunk uh, tricks on you. Like uh, uh, they used to do at uh, the Fishtails place I was remembering is the fact they used to throw quarters on the ground and watch the drunk people try and pick them up. And if you know drunk people and they've been down is easy, but trying to get back up is the hard part. Yeah. Now, you know, a good bartender, like I said, is going to uh, care for and uh, nurture their bar. Because yes. you're not only trying to save a person's life, you're also liable for whatever happens to them. Too. Yeah. Yeah, but also, you know, I care about them as friends. Anyone that sits at my bar is a friend of mine. Well, I appreciate that, man. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Now is the time you get to promote your show there, Keith. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to just 
carry on from what I just said, then it's the Unemployed Bartender Podcast. I'm Keith Carter. I am the host. You can follow me at Keith A. Carter on Instagram and at Keith Carter 1981 on Twitter. And the Unemployed Bartender is at the UB Podcast and www.theubpodcast.com. We're on everything just like every other podcast is because that's how podcasts work. Um, yeah. You have to be that's... 21 and older. No, you can be however old you want. Oh my goodness. That's not, this isn't Portugal. This isn't how we do alcohol. <laughs> you pick it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of out of the blank podcast and stay tuned for our next episode.